tricked you. What's going on? Who knows? I'm about to break it down for you guys. It's Wednesday. It's Action Movie Anatomy. And of course, it is the gray. Let's do some improvisational comedy. We'll see you in just a second. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Action Movie Anatomy. It's my show now. This is the Andrew Guy Show. Every Wednesday, 2 p.m., we're here to talk all things Andrew. I'm just kidding, guys. Uh, my good friend, my co-partner, my co-host, he got pulled over. He did. He got pulled over. He was texting. He was actually talking to me about the schmodown of as we do while driving. I believe he even said in the carpool lane. So he's going to have quite a hefty uh, bill <laughs> there. So if you want to go donate to me on our Patreon, you can do that for Ben. I won't give him any money. Um, but yeah, he should be joining us in just a minute. Guys, this is Action Movie Anatomy. It's Wednesday. It's The Gray. One of my absolute... I want to say favorite, but maybe forgotten about films. It's a movie I hadn't revisited in so long. I'm going to go over here. It feels weird being on that wide. Uh, but I do have Marissa Serafini in the booth. Marissa, how you doing today? I'm great, Andrew. Look at us. We showed up. We did. Look at us. We're on time. We showed up. No tickets. That's right. We're doing our job. Yes, we are. <laughs> uh, guys, welcome to the Popcorn Talk Network. This is the Network Talk. Blah. Wow, that was tough. Welcome to the Popcorn Talk Network. The network dedicated to talking movies and pop culture by the bucketfuls. I'm Andrew Guy. That is usually my host, Ben Bateman. Uh, ben Bateman Media. If you want to follow him on Twitter, you guys can find me at Andrew Guy. And uh, yeah, this is Action Movie Anatomy. We do this every single show or every single week on Wednesday. We've done about 200 of these shows. We're getting very, very close to episode 200, but we're not quite there yet. Gonna be. A very special episode, I'm sure. Uh, I got the chat open here. I haven't been able to look at it because I'm trying to entertain everyone all by myself. Um, but I'll be taking a peek in there in a minute. Guys, this is Action Movie Anatomy. Uh, most movies on the show adhere to four basic rules. We've kind of stretched those rules a little bit over the years. Um, rule number one, the hero always plays by their own rules. Now, this is kind of tough because in the gray, you know, Liam definitely plays by his own rules throughout the movie. It's clear that he's kind of put himself in the position to be exactly where he wants to be in life based off of maybe the hurt or the past. So the reason that I say it's tough, though, is because he gets in a plane crash and he's out in the wilderness and he's getting hunted by wolves. So he's not really playing by his rules. He's playing by the rules of Mother Nature Kind of not someone you really want to go up against, but we'll get into that. So uh, not really a hit on rule number one. Rule number two, the hero and the villain are always the smartest people, beings, creatures, wolves in the room. Now, once again, the enemy, the antagonist of this film is Mother Nature, basically in the form of these crazy killer wolves. And of course, Mother Nature's cold. You know, you see the, the poor people out there freezing to death. Uh, rule number three, the movie is driven by a police, military, or political figure. I mean, we can kind of say that he's a mercenary. I mean, he is hired to go out and kill wolves specifically just to protect people drilling out there. And we even go a step further and say that those people are drilling for the government. Ah, see what I did there? And rule number four, the movie contains a minimum of one explosion. Is there an explosion in this movie? Guys, chat, people in the chat. I want to see what people are saying here. I want to read this, but then I'll just be quiet for so long. Uh, guys, is there an explosion in the movie? I don't believe so. But, um, yeah, we'll get, we'll, we'll, uh, 
We'll talk about that in a little bit. So, guys, uh, as we always do on the show today, we're going to be covering all the things that we normally do. Fist pump, thesis statement, favorite line. We are also going to be covering a couple things buy or sell on Liam Neeson or Frank Grillo. This is the kind of the, a game that we're going to be saying. If you could take or invest money in the rest of Frank Grillo's career or the rest of Frank or of Liam Neeson's career, would you do it or not? Or you kind of think that they've kind of run their course? We'll be talking about that. Uh, and we will also be having uh, a little bit of Stephen calling in today, I believe. Uh, I think him... And uh, Liam Neeson and Gerard Butler have the same agent, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see about that. Couple Patreon shout outs here. Mike Deacon, a brand new Brigadier General of the Action Army. He just threw down $100 towards the Andrew Guy appreciation page. Actually, uh, big, big shout out to Mike Deacon. And of course, Adrian. Oh, man, this is where I need Ben. Kwiatkowski. <laughs> so, uh, Mike and Adrian, as always. I salute you, because I'm here. Um, Marissa, should we uh, hop into the trailer? I think we should. Here All we right, go. thank you. There's not a second goes by when I'm not thinking of you in some way. <laughs> I appreciate you, Ben, uh, with your, your <laughs> still breaking the law while driving here. There somewhere. is the explosion in the plane crash. I don't know how I forgot that. There's just so much, so much pressure on me sitting here all by myself. That plane crash is gnarly. It is like when when they all like drop and hit the ceiling and then they drop back down and they're all like around like holy shit. It is absolutely insane. This movie has some really crazy holy shit moments in it. sweet trailer uh a little vague but i get it it's probably like more of a teaser um but i do i, I like it i think it, it would have sold me on the movie um <laughs> i was supposed to keep stalling until ben got here he's supposed to be here already we're about to get into the collaborative parts of the show so i'm just gonna hop in first uh guys we're gonna be talking thesis statement on the show thesis statement's your biggest boldest thought about the film if you had uh, if you were at a party the gray party a party that was focused solely on this film and you can only say one thing one opinion all night long what would you say and you got to be able to back it up so i'm gonna hop in first because as you can see i'm by myself um it's tough because this movie while being very very good and very compelling um it's hard to say it's the greatest this or the greatest that because there's so many other films out there that are so similar to it that kind of hit on the same notes. I mean, we talked about The Edge. You know, there's other movies about being trapped in the cold and Everest and things like that. But I think for me, and it's tough because Ben's not here and I'd really like to kind of bounce this idea back with, <clears throat> excuse me, back and forth with him. But you guys are the fans. You've watched so many episodes of the show. You should be able to do the exact same thing for me. I believe this is the most realistic movie that has ever been covered on ama yeah 
Yeah, that is that is my biggest, boldest thought about this movie. Now, I went through and I kind of looked at the catalog of our movies, and we've done a lot of movies that are based on true stories. And we've done a lot of movies that are, have, are really, really based in reality. But this movie specifically, <clears throat> it just feels... First of all, you always feel like you're at the mercy of everyone else in the film. It never feels like the hero or the leader or the protagonist is just going to get out of it because they're them. Because Liam Neeson is in a movie, he's going to survive. It doesn't really feel like that. And the wolves are horrifying. They're absolutely horrifying. And they talk about, you know, their 300-mile hunting radius. And if you're in that radius, you know, they'll hunt you. And it's not even about food. It's just about establishing dominance and territory. And then you look at the wind and the cold, and you look at the drowning death and the guy that freezes to death at night and the falling. Everything about this movie is so real and heartbreaking. That's the other thing, too, is, like, when Flannery goes down, it's heartbreaking but that's exactly what would happen that's exactly what would happen to the weakest person in the pack to these wolves they're looking at this group traveling across this frozen tundra and there's one guy in the back he's like 50 yards behind everyone else of course he's the one to go first of course you go after the weakest link in the chain right and man i love it you know the, the guy in the middle of the night going to the bathroom early on by the train he gets attacked by the wolves you see liam like Liam from a distance looking at that woman like I think her head's getting eaten by the wolf and she's like kind of whimpering it's super super freaky and then he just gets like bulldozed tackled by this wolf into the the plane and the other thing that I love and we're talking realism here is that people don't just die immediately they don't just you know uh, they don't they don't heal immediately and they don't die immediately which I think is so important it shows the realism behind it yeah maybe a wolf will bite you a couple times and claw you up he might not kill you but he will fuck you up your life is not in a good place after this um I believe that is probably my thesis statement and I'd love to hear some counters here guys like I'd love to hear what you guys have to say about like whether or not you believe it is or is not the most realistic movie that's ever been covered on AMA. I mean, that's, that's a pretty big thing. We've done things like Lone Survivor and Deepwater Horizon. And, and you know, there's, there's a ton of movies out there that are, that are just kind of like, they're totally fathomable, totally feasible. And some of them, like I said, are based off true stories, but for some reason, this one hit home more than ever. Um, going to hop in here and read a couple of these. This is the most personal performance of Liam Neeson's career. That's interesting. I mean, it's hard to say that because of Schindler's List, right? Like Schindler's List is maybe one of the most like hard to watch movies ever because it's just it's based in reality. He's playing Oscar Schindler. It's it's true. It's heartbreaking. It's heart wrenching. Um, so uh, I, I like the thesis, but I, I I don't know if I completely agree with you. The, uh, <laughs> this is the next one. This is the best Liam Neeson movie. Period. By that, I don't mean this is the best movie, can't compare it to Schindler, but the best Liam Neeson type of action movie. That, I think I have to agree, because I like Taken enough and and all the other movies that he's... Hello! Oh my god, who's calling in? Who is this? Who is this? It's Denuzio. Denuzio! Hey! What's up, buddy? What's going on? Not much. How are you? I love it. I Okay, first of all, Marissa, you are a saint. Ben, you are still in the live chat driving and texting i love it but denuso my man this is the perfect person to call in because i actually just talked about your thesis statement online and why i actually don't agree with it so maybe you can reiterate you said uh verbatim you said this is the most personal performance of liam neeson's career elaborate on that for me a little bit brother why i said that was because of uh, natasha richardson's death a year and a half or so earlier 2009 
I think he really drew from that and that whole depth of uh, of uh, his character Ottaway's wife through the whole movie and his whole confronting mortality, death. I think everything came from that one moment, and I could feel it like through his eyes. It was like really the cold, cold breath that just totally made me feel that he was really everything that happened to him recently went into this performance. You know that is actually. Um... <laughs> You're right. You are a hundred percent right. And I forgot about that point because there's so much going on today. Uh, I forgot to mention that, or I mentioned why I thought that was such a great thesis because I read that Joe Carnahan had actually talked to Liam about channeling that the death of Natasha Richardson. And you are, you're, you're so correct. You can see the pain in his eyes. And that's, that's one thing throughout this movie uh, that I really, really find kind of, mesmerizing is you really see so much hurt in Liam without actually him just talking about it. Right. So many movies, they just talk about the pain. Oh my God. I mean, he came and tell me the beginning You see it start to, you know, something's going on in his life. You're not sure exactly what, then he had, he's faced with this, this such a tragedy going on, but he gears himself up to will everybody else to live. But that pain is just always there in every single moment from the from the fireside chat, from every confrontation with people yeah. over like the, the, the wallets and everything else. It's all this deep seated pain that's going from like zero to sixty in like two seconds, whether it's rage, whether it's desperation, whatever it is, it's all seated from the internal pain. It's just oh I was so shocked when I saw this performance. I never had in a million years thought it was going to be this. I, I, I completely agree. And I feel like his performance is kind of overlooked a lot in this film. I mean, it's just kind of thrown away as uh, just like kind of a whatever action movie, survival movie. Why do you think this movie doesn't really get the attention and the praise that it deserves? Because going back and rewatching it, I, I watched it. Uh, maybe on Sunday. And then I watched it again on Tuesday because I was like, this movie is so sweet. I need, I just want to watch it. I just want to watch it again. So why do you think this movie is so forgotten? I think part of it is the way it was marketed. I totally missed the first time through. I honestly thought it was this trashy niece and action movie. Not that there's anything wrong with a trash niece and action movie. I love the takings and everything else, but I kind of thought it was like, like the edge part two. It was going to be just Nisa Nisa in the uh, maybe in the Hopkins role, so it wasn't that going to be that important of a movie, not that poetic of a movie, right? And you but worry the, about like people taking things too seriously in these films if they take themselves too seriously. But what was so great about this movie is that it actually did take itself so incredibly seriously, and I love it. So, Denuso, last thing before I let you go, what did you think of my thesis? Actually, I'd be honest with you, I miss your thesis. All right, whatever. Get off the phone. I don't want to talk to you anymore. <laughs> I'm just, hey, look who it is. Ben, the on. boss, Bateman, showing up whenever the fuck he wants to because he doesn't care about me or the show anymore. Uh, no, I let everyone know. How you doing? Good to see you. Well, I'm uh, poorer. I'm more traffic citations. <laughs> I'm not pleased. I, I, can, I can completely imagine. Uh, it's good to see you. Denise, are you still on the phone? I am. I oh, okay. He's gone. The yeah, yeah. I was gonna say. Okay, so Marissa was nice enough to throw up the phone number. And, yes. Uh, yeah, Marissa, how are you? I'm great. Now that you're here. <laughs> great. Thank you. Uh, this is yeah. This is weird. I'm on this side. I know it is weird. Uh, really quickly, you're getting my worst side. <laughs> <laughs> really quickly before we let Paul go, you guys met this weekend. Uh, no, 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 no. We didn't meet this weekend. What are you talking about? You, Denuso? Oh no, 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 no. I must be thinking of something. I, I got you mixed up with Belford he, he posted, or someone else. He posted else the or... picture from when he was out here in L.A. Oh, That's what it was. 
I thought, okay, well. Yeah, so, well, I went to visit my, aunt, my uh, cousin in L.A. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I kind of saw him he sandbagged it for a long cool time. Up. God, it was a okay. red herring. Well, glad that I wasn't here for it. Uh, yeah. Denuso, thank you so much for calling in. I love you, man. Thank you for saving me today. And, uh, of course, we'll talk soon, brother. Yeah, we salute you. Thanks, Paul. Absolutely, man. Take care. All right. All right, I'm here. Uh, wow. So that was crazy. So uh, we're talking about the gray. I actually was watching and listening and illegally in the live chat. Yeah. Well, no, I love that. I love that, like, literally <laughs> I was commitment. telling people what was going on, and I saw your name pop up in the live chat. Yeah. So Feels good go. to be in the power chair over here, Ben. That was Feels good. good. <laughs> that was an interesting nice. uh, thesis on Paul's part about t- talking about um, Natasha Richardson. I thought, I thought that uh, – I hadn't really thought about that. But it's a good point. It's a very personal role for him. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't know if you heard. I, I was saying how Joe Carnahan actually told him to pull from that uh, to, to help his performance. But, yeah, it's weird. You see, like, so much broken pain in Liam. Yeah. And you don't really know why. And I, and I actually enjoy that they they kind of uh, pulled the switch at the end that she has cancer or whatever. Right, because the whole time you think that he's kind of a bad dude and she left him. Right, because like, it's like the next scene is him in a bar, people fighting, he's drinking, and he's holding a gun. And right. he's going to kill himself, right? So yeah. you're like, he must be a really bad... Because he says at the beginning, criminals, like, you know, all that stuff. So, yeah, that's that's interesting. I, um, I, I kind of had a thesis that it was a little bit more in line with what... Actually, it wasn't Denuso's. Who said... Whose thesis was this is the most... This is the best Liam Neeson movie? Uh, the best Liam Neeson action movie or whatever yeah, that was Jarvie. So that's an interesting one, and that's like, I, and my phone is ringing. I am uh, just look. Doing... This is unbelievable, guys. Yeah. Uh, it's unbelievable. You're lucky I like you so damn much. Yeah, sir. I just I, came in straight from the road. Uh, that I used to unprofessional. Uh, so uh, what I was gonna say was, I mine was kind of in line with that. But the more I've thought about it, I don't know how ten years later, Taken was released today. Ten years later. I'm not sure who you can really say anything other than the Taken is the best Liam Neeson action movie, just because it was released today, today, ten years ago. Oh wow! Yeah, um, it just that that feels like that's actually correct. So I was trying to sort of put into words what I think the best thesis for this movie, and I think the one I came to, and this relates to a conversation that you and I are going to have later today, which is on the action guys. We're doing a whole show about uh, wilderness survival movies. This is the most satisfying ending to a wilderness survival movie ever made. And the reason I say it is that they fight, they fight, they fight to survive. They're tra- the whole movie, they're trying to stay alive. And they keep dying off one at a time. It's yeah. r- and in the end, he just, I mean, spoiler, you guys shouldn't be watching this if you haven't seen it. He just, like, smashes bottles, tapes a knife to his hand, and is like, I'm going out. I'm going to die. It's obvious that in real life, I would not be able to kill these wolves. This is not the same as Taken, where I'm, like, running nope. around on a boat and, like, shooting a sheik. Like, <laughs> this is just like, not that. This is, like, I'm... Old, this is nature, and these wolves are in their home. I'm, I'm gonna die. In their den, and the alpha wolf has just claimed me as his bitch. Yeah. And it's sweet. It, like it's just I don't I can't think of a more satisfying ending to any movie in the genre because like even like into the wild where like he dies at the end. Right. It's not Spoiler. like a that's not a more satisfying ending. It's no, a good I mean, ending. But... I was thinking like maybe if we're talking wilderness survival, uh you could do you could maybe say 127 hour twenty seven hours. <laughs> uh because of uh, of the way that that ends, but oh, dude, I totally forgot to say because uh, I was just you know trying to do your job over yeah, here. It's yeah, harder yeah. than it looks. Yeah, um, well, when you don't have a co-host, that's especially hard. <laughs> <laughs> this Friday, Ben and I uh, we're starting to do this thing. We're trying to always make Action Guys and AMA correlate. So yeah. this Friday on the Action Guys, you know, it'll go up at three p.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Collider Podcast Network. We will be talking about the all-time or our all-time greatest 
wilderness survival films. Yes, and some of you guys who have been with us a long time know, uh, obviously, that The Edge is a favorite of ours. We we love that movie. Um, there's a lot of movies that kind of are in that genre, so we have a whole episode of The Action Guys on that topic that we are going to be doing on Friday. Uh, 1 o'clock, you guys are going to get to see the live stream uh, sorry, the, the public actual presentation of the Schmodan live event in New York. That's on Collider. And then at 3 o'clock on the Collider podcast network, you're actually it's on Schmo's, but you'll, uh, mm. whatever, you'll see our show go up. So at 1 o'clock and at 3 o'clock, there's two awesome things to watch on Friday. Um, I'm excited to watch the live. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I, I mean, I hear it's incredible. Everybody has told me that it was an amazing event. Like, I, I can't wait. I, I uh, streamed a little bit of it. I was in the live chat a little bit because yeah. we are patrons. We pay for it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so I was able to watch a little bit of it, but the, it was only up for 24 hours, so I didn't get to go back and, like, watch from the beginning. Yeah, I, was, uh, I think I was working during yeah. it, so I didn't get to watch it. Um, but yeah, that's supposed to be great. I'm really excited to see who comes out on top. I'm pulling for Janine and Irwin because those are the people that I love. Dan Merle, you know, I mean, he's not bad. I've just, you know, beat him twice. Yeah. Or I TKO'd him. Uh, so, wait, is this... Oh, okay. So, I, I think I'd heard about this but totally forgotten about it. There's a post credit scene really? where it shows... Uh, Marissa, if you could pull this up, that would be absolutely amazing. Can you type, uh, maybe look up post credit scene, The Gray? Since after the credits, they actually show Neeson's head on the wolf, and the wolf stops breathing. <laughs> when I first read that, I was like, you mean Liam Neeson's head is on the wolf's body? <laughs> <laughs> so Liam wins. Yeah. Killed, it, and then gets eaten by the by the. Yeah, the, well, it says, kids. and you can't tell whether Neeson is alive or dead. Uh, I'm very curious about that, because in the original, in the original cut or edit they had liam fighting the wolf interesting and, th- and it was supposed to be in the extra special features and all that but then carnahan just decided completely against it yeah um, how do you feel about the cgi and the wolves how do you like it it's it's like it's like hit or miss yeah it's 50 50 right? yeah because there's parts of it that's really good and there's other parts where it, it, they just look like they just look like computerized CGI wolves, wolves. Yeah. How, how long is this for us i can't see a minute it's only about 20 seconds oh perfect can we just can you just play it right now yeah thank perfect. you there's another YouTube clip I'd like to play as well. <laughs> this wolf and I. Oh, here we go. Yeah. I didn't even see him. That was it, huh? I didn't even see him. I'm uh, too blind. Do you see yeah. him? Yeah, I feel pretty blind also. Is he in the shot, Marissa? Or is it just a wolf breathing? Maybe it's just a wolf breathing. Huh. Well, that's cool it's enough. It's a wolf breathing. It looks like a little bit of scalp here and there, but mm. I don't know. Hmm. Got Interesting. It. Yeah, so, uh, but I, I would say it's the most satisfying ending just because the fact that the final fist bump moment of him with the bottles and the knife, it's such a, like, he, like, did it, and I literally, like, jumped out of my yeah, chair. it's sick. It's like, it's like, oh, my God, this movie. Like, it's, yeah. like, Taken with Wolves. Like, <laughs> well, and I, what I also love about it is that they, uh, uh, like, he, he starts taking out the backpack and getting all the tools and supplies out, and you're like, oh, my gosh. Are they really going to try to make him, like, do something legitimate right now <laughs> is he gonna beat this wolf yeah and, and it's de- and then all of a sudden you see him like taping a knife to his hand taping glasses to his hand you're like oh he's gonna die like he's fighting to the, death. The, the taped glasses like one of them probably is gonna break one oh, hit easy he's gonna cut into your hand yep. like it, it just seems like a bad idea yeah it seems way cooler looking than actually being <laughs> practical at all yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly there you go uh so anyway guys that's gonna wrap up our thesis statements you know what, ben, um, i'm actually on this side of the table yeah. if you'd let me take it <laughs> You know what, guys? That's actually going to wrap up our thesis statements. We're going to hop into the next section of the show. It's going to be fist pump. I'll let you take this one. 
This moment is that moment in a movie, something happens, you look around, you're like, are you seeing this right now? This is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And this movie is laden with them. You want to call your buddy and tell him just like how good it is? I actually called Drew. You did. Yeah, during this film. Uh, there's just a lot of moments where they really like tap into this this like era of Liam Neeson well. I, I don't like I don't really understand where it came from, this era of Liam Neeson, and we're gonna get to it when we kind of talk about his career just just like what happened and how it happened and why it happened. Yeah, it's it's one of the most fascinating turns in a career ever. Ever. Um, but as far as fist pump moments go, I mean, there's a lot. I think probably for me, my ultimate fist pump is the one we keep talking about with the bottles and the knife. That's That to me was like my – that was like a huge one for me. The other one, though, that I called you – I called you on is when he's first arguing with Grillo and Diaz is like, like, I'm going to keep the wallet if I want. Yeah. And he's like, uh, what's he say? He's like, in just about two seconds, you're going to start fucking bleeding a lot. Yeah. He's like, you're, you're going to swallow sm- a fuckload of blood and you're going to smell a lot of blood all for a fucking billfold. And he's like, <laughs> and he throws it back at him. You're like, Jesus. Yeah. It was horrifying. Oh, no. He's like, in just about a second, I'm going to start beating the shit out of you. You're going to taste a lot of blood and I'll be over a fucking billfold. And you're just like, wow. This is intense. This is intense. He hates that man. Uh, Grillo's great in this. Yeah. He really is like a good, like, weasel. He is. Shit weasel. He's, yeah, exactly. I mean, they, this movie is funny because, like, if you look at what Joe Carnahan's directed, and we'll talk a little bit more about it when we get to Carnahan's career, he's a total, like, dude's dude. It makes sense that Frank Grillo would be in a Joe Carnahan movie yeah, and multiple yeah. Joe Carnahan movies, right? There's, a, there's like, it feels like trying to make The Expendables legitimate or something like that is what his types of movies are. Yeah. He's, like, really into, like, tough guys and martial arts and action, and he's not really into, like, subtlety. He's, like... It's, yeah, no, subtlety is not his forte. It's adjacent to, like, the feeling of, like, say, a movie like Warrior, which makes sense. It makes sense that whole crew kind of knows each other. Right. But it's not the same because it's, be it's trying to be artistic in the same way. But it's, I guess, you know, I, w- I could argue that The Grey is, like, the analog action movie to The Warrior being a fighting movie in some ways. Like, yeah, that's fair. Because, like, The Grey has some silly moments, just like The war- like Warrior has some silly moments. But then also when they go for it emotionally in both movies, it works. You know, the, the poem, the moment where they introduce themselves, there's, like, there's some really good moments in The Grey where it feels like a pretty legitimate movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, and that, that, that's what I was saying. I think when you walked in, I was talking about how it takes itself so seriously and how yeah. I think that it actually succeeds in doing that. Um, I like that. So we got uh, Nathaniel Murga, hmm. new name in the chat I haven't seen before. The scene where he tells them to stare back and all you see are the glowing eyes. Yeah, it's sick. I love that. was actually maybe going to be mine, so I had to read it as yours. I love it. Uh, AJ Lancaster literally just joined the Action Army, got Patreon today, and Schmodan and Team Action were priority number one. Yo, we... Salute you. Salute you. Thank you so much for joining. I actually just got the email that yeah, you did so that. Yeah, I just saw it pop up on my phone here. Uh, so awesome to have you in the live chat as well. Uh, let's see. We got Denuza here talking about uh, Frank Grillo's death, his favorite, which is The View. Yeah, that's a great moment. I, I was going to say the other one for me. Did you already do yours or no? Uh, no, not yet. Okay. I'm just reading through these. And yeah, and then Jarvi, he actually says the same thing. The way Grillo finally gives up, Neeson doesn't argue. He understands that every man has his limits, and Grillo reached his... Um, yeah, yeah, they're so good. I mean, I I absolutely love the the glowing in the eyes. Yeah, um, I actually like when they kill Flannery, even though it's super sad. Yeah, I just think it's like such a, a, a like it shows their dominance and like they're just like they're hunters. This is what they do. This is all they've ever known. And that guy's the weakest guy, and now he's yeah, dead. right, right. I love that. But I actually think as crazy as is as it is, and I probably watched this scene maybe ten times since. Yeah. It's Liam Neeson sitting by the fire talking about his dad in the poem. And the poem, yeah, it's so good. 
he never like breaks his vision from what he's seeing, which is like this vision of his life until the very, very end when he talks about reading at his funeral and you get the looks from all the guys. It's just like you talked about you talk about like actor porn. Yeah. That's actor porn. Like yeah. it's just beautifully well delivered. He takes his time, the 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 editing throughout, it's just wonderful movie making. And yeah. and I that scene just got me. It, like even right I was watching with my roommate and a friend of mine and I just was like, sorry, I gotta watch it again. <laughs> like in the middle yeah, of watching it. I agree. I mean it was de- it was definitely one of those moments and, and this will happen sometimes, right? In a in a movie like this if a movie uses a score too often to inform you of how you're supposed to feel in certain scenes, mm-hmm. I find it to be less effective. When a movie chooses its moment to use a score like that and to put the, and drop the music in there, it's so much more effective because it, it's not at all what that movie has felt like at that point. But it's like this swell of emotion, so that's why it works so well when you hear it. And then again, when it starts at the end as he's looking at the wolf and he starts reciting the poem. Yeah. Hey, um, Marissa, can you clean up the chat for us real quick? There's just someone in there just being a pain in the ass. Um you know so, that that weird Shazam thing that keeps tagging us. Oh yeah, what yeah, is it's that? So weird. I don't, I don't know what that is. I don't either. They yeah. don't want to be us. So, um, but yeah, I, I think it's, it's super effective the use of that. The other one that I that I was going to throw out there too, and and some of these favorite line, I don't know, I'll come up with it later. But um, well, I'll decide later. I have three. But the for fist pump early in the movie when the plane goes down and the guy's dying, it's like gnarly. He's like blood's like oh shooting out, You're and Liam, <laughs> You're going to die now. That's what's going to happen. It's going to wash over you. It's going to wash over. Just, uh, keep, keep looking at me. Yeah. Look at my eyes. And, like, don't look away. Like, it, Liam's just, You'll like, sweet. warm soon. Yeah. He's just, like, this is, he's, like, in his element in this movie. He's, like, very much the alpha. Like, he's very much the alpha of his group. And I, I like, what would you say? He's, like, very much in his element in this movie. Yeah. Hot, like, this is, this is the Liam Neeson role. Like, this is maybe the most perfect Liam Neeson role for his older part of the later half of his career. Because it's even better in some ways than Taken. Because, like, Taken, he's, like, superhero level of angry. Like, the moment when he's talking to Diaz by the fire about being scared. And he's like, if you're not scared, you're an idiot. And he's like, I'm terrified. Um, just, like, that whole sequence is right. so much more, like, appropriate for the character. He's tough. He's wise. He's older. He's smart. He's vulnerable. Well, it's yeah, yeah, exa- yeah, exactly. It's the vulnerability and the honesty of his character where it's just, like, w- no. Like, this just doesn't – like, we have to leave the train – or the plane. We have to go into the woods. It's the yeah. only way we're going to serve – like, all these things. And then and then I love – he's like, well, if no one's going to go with me, I'm going to grab as much shit as I can carry, and I'm, I'm leaving. And Carnahan was literally like that thing that you say to Maggie Grace on the phone. You're like, they're going to take you. He's like, just say to this, that to this guy about dying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He does the same thing. You're going to die. <laughs> this is what's going to happen. It's going to wash over you. Uh, he starts saying that to Maggie Grace. You're going to die. It's like, it's what? Going- <laughs> Dad? <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. So let's get into star profiles. This is fascinating. Let's talk about Grillo first because his is a little bit less interesting. He did Mother's Day in 2010, My Soul to Take in 2010, and of course, our favorite, Warrior in 2011. Frank Campana, very unorthodox trainer. Uh, And then on the other side of it, you've got maybe the most fascinating career in Hollywood. Not unique, but fascinating. Uh, The next three days in 2010. Yeah. The Chronicles of Narnia, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, where he played Aslan. Yeah, Golden Lion. And then, of course, Unknown. Oh, that's a good one. It's got uh, (laughs) January Jones in there. She's a very talented actress. She's really good. So, um... So, this is this was her moment too when uh, her agent was like, "Yeah, the world loves you. We're gonna get you some roles." Right? Was this right after first class? Uh, same year, I think. I think 2011 is the same year. Might be 2012, but I think I think mm-hmm. it's the same year actually. Um, and yeah, yeah, for sure. So I was gonna what I was gonna do here is uh, pull up 
you know, pull up some Liam Neeson love here so we can kind of look at the before and the after. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think this is important for us to do. That shot, though. Look at that picture. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, <laughs> he's the truth. So if you look at Liam and you, you go back to before he was in Taken, right? You go to the, the mid-2000s. So this is a guy who basically in the 90s, 80s and 90s, you know, he's an up-and-comer. He's he's not American. He's talented. He's in Schindler's List. It's a big deal. He's he's simply Ducat. A lot of the stuff that he was doing, right? Everything from Nell to Rob Roy, Michael Collins. Like, he was just being put in movies where he was, you know, Gangs of New York. A period piece actor with a lot of talent. People knew he could handle a role. And he was never the star. Mm-mm. He was always supporting. Even Kinsey in 2004. Did you ever see that? No. It's pretty good. He's He plays Alfred Kinsey. It's like an Oscar contender type of movie. I remember um, that. It's pretty good. But, like, that's the kind of thing he was getting, right? So Batman Begins in 05 gives him kind of this, like... All right, you're kind of an action guy. Let's put you in this role. It's literally Batman Begins and Kingdom of Heaven, where some, where, where uh, the director of Taken was just like, and Seraphim Falls in 06. Like that's a it's a it's a western with Thomas Hayden Church. He's like a little bit of a tough guy oh, in that movie. Yeah, yeah, it's a bad yeah. movie. And then all of a sudden, Luke Besson is like, we're gonna we're gonna do this movie. Pierre Morel is gonna direct it. Yep. Let's let's try you out in Taken. And uh, ten years ago today, this movie comes out. And I mean, we all remember the trailer. Like, yeah. I remember it was the, sweet, and you were like, what the hell is Liam Neeson doing in this movie? And the trailer was so sweet because it has the speech. Yeah. And it's just like, <clears throat> what's this going to be? Well, and that's the thing that we, we kind of realize, right, as, we, as we've done this show for so long, and I think Denzel is maybe one of the best. I mean, Denzel has way, way more of a different type of swagger. Yeah. But it literally is like, oh, okay, let me get a very, very good actor. Yeah. A very talented actor. Yeah. And it makes sense why Tony Scott and Ridley both – co-produced on this right yep, yep. tony's got uh is you like i'm just gonna get a very 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 good actor and put him in like a moderately good action movie with a moderately good script and he's going to elevate this movie yep. so so much because if you just put like hell charlie because originally it was supposed to be bradley cooper yep in this role i think if you even put bradley cooper back in 2011 or let's say now you put like charlie hunnam in it it's not good it's not a good no, movie. No, 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 definitely not. This movie needs the it needs the the depth uh, of it needs the depth of Liam Neeson. So going back to 20, 20, 2008, as well as some other dramas that he does in there, like he does do some stuff. He's in Silence. He shows up in A Monster Calls. He shows up. He in, is Qui Gon Jinn. Yeah, he shows up in a few things. You know, in the last ten years that are trying to be legitimate, but he has eleven movies that in the last ten years that I would classify as the trashy action to worse. <laughs> like, right. like, or sorry, sorry, trashy action or better is what I mean to say. So starting with 2008, he's got Taken. 2010, he stars in the A Team. You keep going here. He's got The Gray and Unknown in 2011. Taken two in 2012. Is um, Nonstop a movie? Oh, I'll, uh, that's different. You're you're thinking who's that? No, no, I think Nonstop is later. It's later. <laughs> uh, he's in Clash of the Titans and Wrath of the Titans, which are both like masquerading as something other than trashy action, but they're definitely both just trashy action. Battleship. He's got a role in 2012. You keep rolling. Oh, I forgot about that. He plays a tough guy in A Million Ways to Die in the West, kind of like parodying himself. Walk Among the Tombstones, Taken 3, Nonstop. Hang on, it keeps going. Run All Night. <laughs> then he does a Monster Calls, which is pretty good. How many of these movies have you seen? Some. <laughs> he does Most. The Commuter in 2018. I've seen that. I had to ride a train. And finally, he shows up this year in the movie coming out next week, Cold Pursuit, which... Uh, Guys, if you want to see what Liam Neeson is up to in 2019, let me just read you the synopsis of Cold Pursuit. A snowplow driver seeks revenge against the drug dealers he thinks killed his son. The drug dealer's name is Viking. 
did you kill my son? (laughs) No, I think you did. (laughs) Like, that's Liam in a nutshell, the last 10 years. It's just like... I, like, I don't know where it happened that he just decided this. Like, I guess Taken was, a, like, an accident. Right? I mean, he's probably just having fun, right? He's probably just having fun and making money and kind of knows that he's never going to. I mean, he could do. We always talk about that guy that gets in this random big director's movie and could do it. Like, he could all of a sudden pop up in Dune. Yeah. You know, Denis Villeneuve's casting all these huge people. Like, Liam could pop in it and just be, like, awesome, you know? He's a great actor. And something you said to me the other day on the phone I thought was really relevant. What you said is he was always, he was always, uh, Famous, but he's a star now. Yeah, which is different. He wasn't a star before this. This he, run. he was he was Oscar Schindler. That's literally all he really was before this. Yeah, I mean, a movie like Rob Roy is like that. I remember the VHS box at the store. My dad saw it, I think, but like that wasn't a movie that stuck out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he was a a real actor. Like people looked at him that way. It wasn't yeah. he wasn't a popcorn guy. These now are, he is legitimately only a popcorn guy. He's on the cover of these movies, The Commuter, like Cold Pursuit. It's a Liam Neeson movie. That's what it is. I like to take the bus. No, uh, <laughs> uh, okay, so buy or sell. It's just this idea that you and I kind of came up with uh, yesterday when talking about the episode. Talking about Liam Neeson's career and Frank Grillo's career. More so Frank Grillo than Liam Neeson because, you know, Liam Neeson's, like we just said, a star. But he's also kind of done it all already. Like if Liam Neeson, like, kind of retired, like, I think we'd all just be like, all right. Well, like, that's why I wanted to throw him in is because, like, okay, so do you buy or sell Liam Neeson? If you are a stock company that buys and sells and trades actors' careers, okay. do you still invest in Liam Neeson's career? I do, and the reason being, um, the 10 years that he spent doing this has solidified him as enough of a star that he doesn't really need to do anything else right now to be still considered A-list, and he's got about five more years of kind of what we're talking about, where he could be in Tarantino or like one of these like big director's movies. I mean, Nolan is still making big movies. He's a Nolan favorite. Like You you could see him in one of those movies in an Oscar-winning role, so I think I'm buying Liam Neeson. You know what's kind of fascinating about... Liam Neeson is like in full disclosure guys we we were actually going to cover Arctic on the show uh, the new Mads Mikkelsen movie that comes out tomorrow or Friday but we decided against it because it didn't feel completely appropriate so Mads just came out with this new Netflix movie called Polar or whatever sweet actually yeah it's actually pretty cool I I watched it and uh, mainly because of our fans talking about it and then he came out with Arctic and you kind of look at his career, and he was also just in massive movies last yeah. year. Doctor I mean, Strange and Star Wars, both in 2016. Yeah, I mean, 2016, excuse me. And so, like, you look at a guy like that whose career it seemed like was only going up, but then it's like a few years later, he's still kind of not, he never really, like, broke through to that star level, even though Mads is definitely a star. Do you know what I'm saying? Totally. I mean, he's, like, one of those guys that has a face you recognize. Right. And, but he only did, like, doesn't matter how big, it doesn't matter how big the thing you're in is if you don't follow it up with other things that fit that. So, like, him playing a weirdo villain, like Dormammu, like, his characters in those Cassilius. two movies. Oh, he plays Cassilius. I probably shouldn't have told you that, <laughs> since you keep calling him Dormammu. I can't. Oh, yeah. Dormammu. Dormammu. Uh, um, <clears throat> but I, I actually would invest more in Liam's career than Mads is right now, even though Mads was just in a Marvel movie. Yeah, I mean, Liam took the thing that made him a star again and wrote it. Whether or not any of the movies we just talked about are good, most of which are not, um, he rode that train. So now when the people think of him, he's got, like, an association. When you think about Mads, you're like, he's kind of a tough guy villain. Right. I said, like, most people still think of Casino Royale. Yeah. Like, that's basically... And, like, you can't really say there's a there's a role he should be... Now, I never watched Hannibal. People love that show. Oh, yeah. yeah people yeah. love that show. Yeah. Now, on the other side, you got Grillo. 
Now, Frank Grillo, if you're asking me if I'm buying or selling, my answer is absolutely I'm buying. And there's no hesitation for me on Grillo. And the reason is because if you think about it, Grillo fits a bill really, really specifically that we don't have a lot of right now. Is he like one-eighth something else? Is he like Hispanic or is I think he, so. Is yeah. He, yeah, something. Because he, he's not – he doesn't just look like a white dude. No. There's a couple things going for him. The first one is he's either got super – like a superhuman genetics or he's totally willing to juice. I'm not sure which it is. But for like late 40s, he's got the most ridiculous physique of anyone like the recent pictures that he posted on Instagram of himself, he look he has seventeen abs. He looks like he's got <laughs> veins on his veins. Like he's so yoked, it's actually like offensive in some ways. Like people can't look like that, right? Uh, and he seems to be willing to do that. Sweet. Now he's great in Warrior, which is a movie that every year seems to be kind of picking up a little bit more credibility. People love, love that movie. That movie. And and every year it seems like people like it a little more. And I'll tell you the thing that has going for it the most for me, he's got a small but at least significant role in two great movies in the MCU. And those movies are kind of evergreen at this point. Like, they're going to be watched a lot for the next ten years. Did he die, though? Yeah, but it doesn't matter. He's right. still in two good ones. Like, right. think about in five years when people are going back and continuing to rewatch those old movies, he'll just keep coming up as a face. So he's got a face right now that's going to be very recognizable to people. And and he's, like, a playing a tough guy in those movies. So he gets to kind of just translate that into the career that he's taking right now. Okay, so I, I don't disagree with you on everything that you're saying, but... He's full-blooded Italian. Thank you very much, Belford. Um, he's 53 years old. And he's finally he's, he's just finally kind of breaking through, right? Yeah. I actually sell Grillo. Okay. I, I don't think that he's maybe I don't think he's meet, maybe reached his climax. Yeah. Maybe he does like one more huge movie or like maybe okay. he's in the next Nolan movie as sure. like a, a decent sized character, but for some reason as much as I like Grillo and you know I love me some Frank Grillo, I just don't find him that unique. Yeah, I don't feel that he brings something to the role that no one else could. Yeah, um, I feel like there's other guys out there that are in their fifties that are yoked and kind of like frat boy dudes that could still do what Grillo does. Yeah, not that I don't enjoy Grillo and I hope his career does keep going and I hope he does stay famous. But for me, I'm buying Liam and I'm selling Grillo. My last point on Grillo and why I think he fits. Uh huh. <laughs> He is that guy. That's the difference between him and some of these oh, guys. Oh, he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I've, I've, I think I've probably told this story on the show before. I've met Grillo a few times now. Um, the first time I met him was working at the bar we used to work at together. And I had served him drinks. And this is a true story. I remember I was like, uh, hey, we, you know, what, what do you want? And he's like, give, give me a beer flight. And I was like, okay, anything you like? He's like, it's all good. And I was like, anything you don't want? And he leans over to me and gets in my ear and he goes, just don't give me any dirty pussy. And I, and I was like, okay, I'll get you some drinks, sir. Uh, that was the first time I met Grillo. And That's then, uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. And then this, a couple years later, I was doing the premiere for Kingdom, which is that MMA show. And oh, I was yeah. like, who's the toughest guy on set? He's like, they're all pussies, man. He's like, I could kick any of their asses. Maybe Jonas, but no, nah, he's a pussy too. <laughs> and he's like, and like, uh, he's just like, they're, they, I mean, they're, none of these guys are fighters. And uh, I had so much fun hanging out with the guy at the after party. He was just like a treat, just like super friendly. Just like a dude's dude, chill. He's got like the right energy to play the characters that he plays. And I think as long as he stays in his lane, like for instance, if Cruz was to announce that Grillo was a villain or a henchman in the next Mission Impossible, would you be surprised? No. Not at all. Yeah, no, I, I like, I, I completely agree. As long as he stays in his lane. Yeah. And he continues being the awesome guy in set that I know he is. I, again, I hope he's successful. I want his career to keep going on. I would not invest a movie in Frank Grillo, but I do agree with everything that you're saying. Michael Bowker, who do you buy, Frank Grillo or Scott Eastwood? 100% Frank Grillo. Grillo. I spoke yeah. to uh, Grillo's PR yesterday, and 
they're willing to have him come on. So, yeah. I'm going, I mean, we have to confirm that, obviously. But I think when Donnybrook comes out, which is his, that's his next big action movie he's coming out with, um, I think we should probably try and cover it and get Grillo on the show. Oh, I mean, duh. Yeah. Done. Uh, so we got eight minutes left today. Uh, I'm going to skip past production development. Uh, the biggest thing here is to just mainly talk about Joe Carnahan. I know you you like Carnahan. I mean, I like Carnahan. You like Carnahan. Uh, do you, is there anything you want to say really quickly about him? He's just kind of unsung in the sense that I think he's incredibly underrated. Yeah, well, I mean, like, okay, so what's the biggest movie he's done in terms of, is it A-Team? Is it's, it's probably Smoke and Aces or the A-Team. The A-Team maybe just because everyone in it at the time was, like, riding. Yeah, high. right? Yeah. That, that's, that's what I would guess is like it felt like it had the biggest budget smoking aces is like an above average you know crime ensemble movie and then and this movie is just forgotten about unfortunately yeah and so he's kind of one of these guys that like he's pretty talented like people like his style he just hasn't had like a big action movie yet but like he could have one next year yeah. so he's got a movie called boss level coming out i think with grillo and mel gibson that he directed oh, yeah sweet <laughs> Um, would you would you have Mel Mel come in the studio? I wouldn't. I would feel like a little uncomfortable. It'd be, it'd be I'd be a little weird. scared. He's a Holocaust denier. Like that's, oh yeah, that's yeah, weird. Yeah, yeah, it's too much. I mean, I'm Jewish, but it's yeah, just a weird yeah, thing. It's too much. Like the, if you're a Holocaust denier, like I feel uncomfortable in the same room yeah, as you. I don't want to talk to you about <laughs> the no flat matter earth. what my religion or background yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. I know. I was thinking the same. Like even despite not even thinking about the Holocaust thing, I was like, there's no way I bring him on this show. Yeah. I mean, I love Gibson's career, and I'm a fan, and like who knows if, if it's, his agent calls me and says, hey, do you want Mel on the show? Like. I'd it's probably, hard to say no. I'd probably rethink it, yeah. but like the way I feel about it now is I would it's just... It's very uncomfortable. Too weird. I'm glad we're on the same page. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll just breeze through uh, critical and box office here. Open Road Films made this movie for $25 million. It had a soft release December 11th, 2011, and a wide release January 27th, 2012. It grossed 51 domestic, 25 worldwide for a grand total of $77 million, making three times its budget. Pretty good investment. Yeah. Um, opening weekend, it made $19 million. It was number one. It's got a 6.8 on IMDb. All critics on Rotten give it a 79. Top give it a 65, and audience give it a 61. Now, I actually understand why the audience did this. It's because we were expecting... Most people didn't watch this movie when it came out. No. And they watched it after they watched Taken. Most of them. Yep. And so I think what everyone was expecting was Liam Neeson to go out and beat the shit out of some wolves and have, like... <laughs> it just be, like, a total badass and then live at the end and, like... You know what I mean? Totally. Also, man, this movie, like... I don't know if you feel the same way about this, but you and I use the phrase Redbox Generation a lot. Um, mm. It's the difference between movies that came out 10 years ago and movies that have come out sort of since we've transitioned over to straight to video and VOD being normal. I only heard about this movie for the first time on Netflix. I didn't even know that it existed when it came out. Like, and the cover of it and like everything about it, it looks like one of those movies from that time. Oh, it looks, yeah, it looks like you're you unsure know. if uh -huh. this was a real movie or not. And so, you know, word of mouth will often turn these movies into cult classics, but it's hard for these movies to succeed like this. Uh, if there isn't some other actor or some other factor, like yeah. a big director or something huge about it. So there was also, there was like no buzz. There was no like, oh, Liam Neeson is shredded and takes his shirt off in the snow or, you know, Liam Neeson does a crazy stunt or Liam Neeson turns into an Oscar worthy performance. Like, yeah, it was, it was just, just like, a movie. This movie that came out where he fought wolves, like <laughs> and nobody else in the movie is a star. And, and he wasn't at the level of like Liam Neeson that he is right now. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Like, Eighteen was not very good, and that was the year before. So it was not good at all. No. Uh, so, so we don't I, really have any AMA questions. What were you going to say? I wasn't. Gonna say, I thought Stephen was going to call in uh, Liam's agent. Is that? I, I, <laughs> I did think he was, but I don't think we actually have enough time. Oh, okay. I mean, do you? 
Uh, maybe. I don't we know. Got, we got, uh, <laughs> I did mention it at the top of the show, but... Uh, Marissa, just let us know, even if he just only has a minute to call in for us here. Uh, we'll continue going with the show. Um, so, so let's talk favorite line. I think that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, mine's mine's hands down. I wrote the entire speech that he has with his father down. Yeah. I love it. I love it. it's like once more into the fray, uh, live and die on this day, live and die. On this. But it's the first part of it is. Uh, I mean, I what I actually love about it. I mean, I I love the once more in the fray and the last good fight I'll ever know. But what I actually love is like he was a cliched Irish <laughs> motherfucker when he. No, that's what I was. Yeah, I just think you let it go. Uh, he's like a drunker, a brawler, all that stuff. Never shed a tear. It's a weakness everywhere. But he had things for poem, poetry, reading, blah blah blah, quoting them. And what I love, he goes reading them, quoting them. Probably thought it was a way of rounding him off. You know, his way of apologizing. Yeah. I guess. I think I just like the writing in this movie is so good. It's actually, like, so good. Yeah, I was going to say, so So that is one of the ones that really stuck with me. I love the scene where he talks about dying. And then I also really love the scene when Diaz decides to, intro, like, he's oh. sitting there and he's like, my name's John. And he starts crying. Yeah, and I wrote that. Like, I wrote my name's John in my notes. Yeah, and they each introduce themselves. And he's like, of course that's your name. Yeah. He's like, look at that. I feel like that's all for me. Like, just look at it, Johnny. Just look at it, Johnny. <laughs> like, it just, I loved that whole interaction. I loved it. I just thought it was so good. And, like, it, and that's the kind of thing when I say this is kind of the wilderness survival movie to warrior sports movie. Yeah. It's those moments. It's, it's those moments where I think about if you and I were making a movie, we were, like, writing it and directing it together or whatever, we were going to, like, go for it kind of. Like, is this cheesy or not? Like, right. should we try this or not? And I think the answer for the most part is as long as you put your heart into the moment, like, you you believe in it and you believe these guys can pull it off and that it's an important moment for your characters. Yeah. And you have a good instinct that it's pulled off. Well, it's never cheesy. The only part, the people that think cliches are cliches and, ch- and cheesy is cheesy are just people that want to criticize. It's the people that would give a bad review to Warrior calling it a stereotype. Right. And it's like when those cliches are executed correctly, which this one completely is, it's beautiful, it's awesome, and, like, it's so many people's favorite moment yeah in the show i totally agree it was such a good moment it was such a surprise moment um the yeah. three categories i feel like we don't even need to cover because of my thesis saying that it's the most realistic movie we've ever covered on ama oh i don't know i think i go middle category really i call Why? this movie's ridiculously legit how because it's just them fighting wolves but they all die <laughs> they kill literally two wolves the or one wolf the whole time that's it and it's ah. when they use their shotgun shells it's just the tone of it to me feels like Ugh. A, a kind of a classic good bad action. Like there's like I I connect to it more than I don't connect, but I wouldn't fully feel comfortable showing this to somebody like, hey, here's ten great movies. Watch this one and you won't laugh a little bit because I, I, I never laughed. Oh, I I, re- I said that this is the most realistic movie we've ever covered on the show. Yeah, I mean I heard you. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I just I'm just shocked by you. I'm 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 shocked and appalled. Look, but man, I understand. it's okay understand. to have different attitudes. I get it. You know? I get it. So uh, a couple pieces of business to talk about. I guess we have one less thing to cover, and that's going to be called the pitch. Okay, so a few orders of business. Number one, uh, we are covering next week on the show. The Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, baby. Twenty five uh, year anniversary. I never thought we'd ever cover this movie on no, the show. No, and I'm so excited to cover it on the show. I, I, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. We've got a very special guest that I think... Can we can we announce now? I guess there's no reason not to. I mean, if he's coming... He's confirmed. He confirmed? Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah, we are having uh, the godfather, Drew McQueenie, a mm-hmm. uh, friend of ours from the Schmodown community, uh, one of the great, great movie critics and writers out there today. He's got a um, really, really cool personal story about Frank Darabont and this script for Shawshank 
specifically that we'll talk about on the show. So we're excited to have him on to, to, to feature Drew. Also, coming up, you mentioned this week on the show on the Action Guys over on Collider Podcasts, we're talking about Wilderness Survival. Mm-hmm. Next week, we have kind of a crazy episode. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm like nervous about it. It relates to the Shawshank because it's, it's Shawshank's my fourth favorite movie of all time. Uh, Drew and I are going to be doing our each of our respective top five favorite movies episode. God, I'm so nervous. Well, I don't even know what the format's going to be, but we are going to be talking extensively about each of our top five favorite films. And I have a feeling there's some crossover in the form of Dirk Diggler, but... <laughs> yeah, there's definitely <laughs> a crossover in the form of Dirk Diggler. Do we want to mention anything else about an idea that we've been throwing around, or do you want to not want to do that yet? I, I think I will, actually. Yeah? Uh, and I want to, I'm going to talk about that and the other thing. that uh, Okay. You know, I've got about worth... a minute, so let's do it. Yeah, yeah. So um, the first thing is... The Dark Knight watch along. Yes. Uh, Drew and I talked about a drunk watch along we're doing for The Dark Knight. Uh, for health reasons, I'm taking a little bit of time away from alcohol. We both are. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, I don't, it's not like I'm just stopping drinking forever, but uh, a, a little bit of extended hiatus. I just, there was some health stuff that had to go on. So once that wraps up, we will do our drunk watch along. Or if it feels like it's taking too long to get there, we will come up with an alternative way to do it. We'll just mm-hmm. do a watch along of Dark Knight. We'll find a way to make it awesome. Just so you guys know, that is happening, but that's the delay on that one. Yep. The second one is uh, for the patreon.com slash team action, the Andrew Guy appreciation page. Drew and I are talking about starting to actually watch the AMA films together on a live stream weekly. Yes. Um, and we're going to try this out the first time coming up. If you if you follow us on Twitter, at Team Action Show, at Ben Bateman Media, at Andrew Guy, you'll see, we'll announce the date, um, check the Facebook groups of when we're going to do it, and uh, I think probably we're going to try to watch the Shawshank Redemption this weekend together on a live stream. I, I mean, if, if yeah, I didn't want to, like, put my foot in my mouth in case we're too busy, but that is, that would be amazing. We're going to try. We're going to try. Yeah, that would, we're going to try, and that's the idea. Maybe, like, twice a month, we're going to try to watch the movie with you guys that we will be following the cover... Covering the following week, um, and it'll probably just be at the five dollar tier. Yeah, it'll be really fun tier, to do, and you guys could be in the live chat with us. So we're gonna we're gonna try it. If it's not this week, it'll be the next. But that's a thing we're trying to do because there's you know Patreon content that we want to start kind of knocking out. And yeah. uh, Schmodown season six opens this Friday. You'll see the New York Lab event. Uh, it's yeah. the first of it's, it's going to be a crazy year for Schmodown. So you know you'll you'll hear some Schmodown reactions and things like that from uh, myself and this trader. And um, that's going to wrap us up. So thank you guys so much. I apologize for being late. Great movie. I love y'all. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Yeah. Thanks. Bye everybody. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.